Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. We're getting ready to go live. As soon as we go live, we're going to do a little task here that you have in front of you. It looks like not everybody stayed up too late last night. Some of you got here. So uh, uh, in front of you, uh, you've heard me speak about this. I do this every year, and uh, we've done it a lot over the years with the congregations I've pastored. Uh, we're going to make an impossible list this morning. So if you've got a, in your seat there, uh, you should have an index card. <clears throat> something to write with around there close. You can pass those around. Uh, I love the fact that the first year, the uh, first day of the year, we're having church. It's a good way to start the new year off, amen? And uh, I was looking at my impossibility list from last year, uh, and three of those uh, things I had were accomplished by the Lord. Uh, not all of them were. Uh, he's God. He's in control. But what, what I want you to do, I want you to take a couple of minutes here, or three or four, and you can add to this maybe when you go home. I've uh, filled out my list uh, today, this morning early. Um, and I want you to put things on this that you can't make happen. Not something that you can accomplish, but something that would take the Lord to do it. Maybe someone's salvation, uh, Whatever, a miracle, you know, it would take a miracle for the thing that you're thinking about uh, that's come to your heart that you could not do with your own strength or your own means. You, you cannot make it happen. Those are the kind of things I want you to put on your list. I've put ten of them uh, on my list, things that, that I couldn't make happen. And uh, a couple of those on here, or actually three of those on here are for people's salvation and um, that are not walking with Christ, that don't know Jesus, that, can I be blunt, that would go to hell if they died. That's important to me. <laughs> uh, I don't want people that I know and love or anybody, you know, to wind up in hell. So uh, just take a few moments, meditate on it, pray about it. Those of you that are watching us uh, around the globe, we're I'm asking you to do the same thing. Get you a piece of paper, an index card, and uh, I put at the top of mine, impossible list for 2023. And I, uh, two of those that didn't get answered last year, I carried them over to this year. It's like uh, sick days. I just rolled them over. And uh, so uh, just you that are watching or get this podcast, take some time today or when you hear this message, find you a list and write some things down that you're going to pray about and look to God for. Uh, for this coming year. Things that you cannot make happen. You do not have the strength or the resources to make those things happen. It's going to take God. Those are the things you want to put on your impossible list. And we know that nothing's impossible with God. So he said that to Mary, right? Is anything too hard for the Lord? The answer to that is no. So I'm going to give you a couple minutes here and shut up so you can... Uh, Make your impossible list. And as you uh, carry this out with you today, um, you can add to it, obviously, but I keep this in my wallet. And uh, I, from time to time, I pull it out of my wallet and pray over it. So keep it to where, don't just store it away somewhere. Keep it to where you'll remember to pray over it, at least from time to time. 
the things that you're believing and asking God for uh, with your impossible list. Let's all stand to our feet. It's the day the Lord has made, the very first day of the year for us. Everybody has uh, uh, a New Year somewhere. Stephen texted me uh, yesterday evening and wished me a Happy New Year about seven hours before ours. Of course, I wasn't awake when the New Year flipped over um, <clears throat> but um, in this country. But Israel's eight hours ahead of us, so next year I'm going to start celebrating New Year's with them. So that at four o'clock, I'll be ready to go to bed after I, I can, we can have dinner at 3.30, have our celebration and at four o'clock. We can get on the Israel. They're the prophetic calendar we're watching anyway, so we'll get on their calendar. Maybe next year we'll have a New, New Year's Eve celebration if we're still here. Maybe we won't be. Uh, but next year we'll have one and celebrate with Israel because they're the time, they're, they're, they're the timetable for all of us anyway. I want to read to you from Psalm 150, and I want us to start this year off praising God with everything in us. If you want the walls to come down, you're going to have to shout it out. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty firmament. We're there, right? Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of a trumpet. Praise Him with the lute and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise Him with loud cymbals and the clashing cymbals. He wants praise from every direction. Amen. God has made us to praise Him and to worship Him. Some of you heard me preach about the three archangels and their jurisdiction. Gabriel and Michael are still in heaven doing their job. Lucifer was cast out. Everything we know that God uh, teaches in the Bible, it looks like Lucifer was in charge of praise and worship. And Gabriel's a messenger and Michael's a warrior. So God said he'd fight our battles. He said he'd fill our mouths. But he said he's looking for people who would worship him in spirit and in truth. If you can have it, God lost his worshipers. He kept his messengers. He kept his warriors. But he lost a third of the angels who were under Lucifer or Satan's care, authority. They went with him. You want to know why Lucifer is so skilled in music? Why he turns whole generations and whole cultures with music? That's what he was gifted at. The Bible says there was pipes and tabards formed in him. When he was created. He was created. So God will fight our battles for us. God will fill your mouth if you'll let him. But he wants us to be worshipers. Amen. So here's what he says. Let everything. Everything. That has breath. Now see if your neighbor's breathing. They're going to give you the excuse. Well I'm just a little subdued. And I don't, I don't work with God. You have to let it fly. He's worthy to be praised, whether you're made up that way or not. He said the rocks would cry out if we didn't do it. Amen. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And he says it again, praise the Lord. Say it with me.
Some trust in chariots and horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Lord, we're so thankful that we are your children, that you've not left us to ourselves, Lord, that you have been kind and faithful, long-suffering and patient, full of grace and mercy toward all of us, Lord. We love you this morning, Lord. And we want to give you the best year we've ever given you this year. We want to be our best, Lord, for you this year. We want you to live through us so that others may see who you are, Lord. That they may know your grace, your goodness, your love, your truth, your judgment, your prophecies, everything that you've left us, Lord. May they see that in us so that they may give their lives to you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Give the Lord some praise. More praise. <laughs> Children's Church is dismissed. Uh, Brother Alfred will be going over, and the uh, rest of you may be seated. I'm going to give you a couple of um, things here I want you to th- see as we go through the sermon this morning. This week, maybe tomorrow or today sometime, because you know, uh, there's another short clip coming out. It's an eight-minute clip. Uh, I'd like for you to take a chance, take, or take a, not take a chance, take a moment and listen to that. It'll tie in with what, some of what I'm sharing with you today. Um, have they called to mind and forgetting those things that are behind? Let me say something. There, there are people... You may feel like you've got a situation nobody else has had. That's how the devil wants us all to feel. He wants us to fall into that trap of feeling sorry for ourselves, right? That is a trap. But there are people that have had the same thing you've had. They just overcame it. Some people overcome. Some people don't. So what's the difference? How do people overcome? We're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. Uh, Overcoming things. Somebody's had your situation, and maybe even worse, but they took God's medicine, quote-unquote, and overcame it. Doesn't mean it wasn't just as bad on them as it was you. They just overcame it. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. I like the people that refuse to be denied, right? The Bible says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Violence is probably not the best word in English that we use there, but uh, it means people who refuse to be denied. Just like Jacob when he was wrestling, right, with the angel of the Lord. He refused to let him go until he blessed him. Right? He was not going to let him go. Some people, are they just get pushed around too easy. Amen? We don't need to be that. I know I wouldn't get very many amens like that. Some people just get pushed around by the devil too easy. And so uh, we have power over him, according to what I read, amen, to tread on all that. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. Let's go to verse 13. He said, these all died in faith. He's talking about people who lived uh, for the Lord, following him by faith. Listen to how the Bible puts this here. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them. So they were convinced that God's way was truth. They bought into it. They walked it out. They kept that in front of them. They embraced them 
and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. I think the church has lost that as a whole. I think the church and the world has lost that mentality. We think our home's down here. We work on stuff hard. We, we try to leave our own legacies and all that kind of stuff. And we're just so caught up in this life. Even the church is caught up in it. We need to be careful about that and guard against it. said they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They embraced and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. There is something way beyond what you and I see here. God, has, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, and you know what He said, He's going to come again and all that. But He's, he's prepared a place for us that the world can't even compare to. And so our hope is in that, in the eternal life that He's offered us and all the things that He's prepared for us that says, I hath not seen, eareth not heard, neither has entered the heart of man, but God reveals them to us by His Spirit. So you think about all the wonderful things you've perceived or thought about or seen or brought into your life in this earth. The Bible says the things waiting on us cannot be, they're not even seen that way, cannot be seen or, or perceived that way. So God has, through His Son and the work of the Holy Spirit, has prepared stuff for us that we should be so excited about. Then that's one of the ways we overcome. We keep our eyes on things that are eternal. And truly, here it is, here's one of those phrases I wrote, and truly if they had called to mind the country from which they had come out of, or come out, they would have had opportunity to return. Called to mind. He says, but now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. So I ask you a couple of questions this morning. Is this life too important to you? Are the things of this life too important to you? Stuff, other relationships, whatever it may be. Are they, are they too important to you that they're keeping you from seeing the reality of eternity? Eternity, really, we're just passing through. Our life's but a vapor. Our life is very fragile in so many ways. I've just found that out myself in the last 12 weeks. So we know that this world is not our home. We're just passing through. But we need to keep that in front of us and not get bogged down by all these other things. He says, they would have, have opportunity to go back if they had called to mind. That's an interesting phrase. It's not somebody who just remembers something from the past in a fleeting, flashing moment. But it's somebody who's keeping it in front of them. It's like a continual happening, right? That's how the devil works on a lot of people, with their past. He tries to keep it in front of them. And you may be in environments or allow yourself to be in environments that keep that stirred up. That's why we have to come out from among them and be separate. It's not that we're better than everybody else. We have been made righteous through Jesus Christ, but we come out so that we don't get bogged down with those things and it keeps us stay stuck in that old life we used to live. And that's what's being said here. This is a present tense verb that's being used here in the Greek. And when we use the present tense in the English, it means it's something that's going on now, right? How can things of your past go on now if you're not physically involved in them? That's why I want you to listen to this clip that's coming out this week. Because you keep it in your mind. You keep it stirred up in your mind. 
you allow certain things, maybe, maybe certain media or certain voices in your life, certain situations to keep that stirred up in you, right? There are several promises in the Bible for every situation that you and I are going to face. The reason these people, he's bragging on these people, because if they had kept it current with them, that's what, what it means in the Greek to have a present tense. It's something that it continued, that's went on, but it's continuing to go on. Now, how does that happen in our lives? It happens in our soulish man. Now, I preached for about three months, a couple, three years ago, on the soulish man. All that stuff's up on our YouTube channel. And we talked about how we get programmed. So one of the things we want to do is reprogram ourselves with the Word of God. If you're going to sit around and think about your hard times all the time, they're going to stay current with you. Am I getting any amens yet? And, and you don't have to necessarily be involved. That's the weird thing about the soulish realm, right? The soulish mind. Do you know why all this AI stuff and all this uh, stuff is popular? Because people can interact with things, right? And don't have to physically do it, right? Now, that's weird to me. I still write checks. I still got a mason jar buried in the back of my yard with some money in it. <laughs> I'm not telling you where I live either. <laughs> but I just come from the hospital, and um, through Christmas, there's nothing left in it anyway. <clears throat> so we, we, we can keep things stirred up by keeping them in our soulish man. Now, your soul man is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. So when you let things minister to you, and that's how I want to say it, when we allow things to minister to us, they can minister to us in our soulless realm. Now, how many people... And Now, listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 1. When he went through Romans chapter 1 and he talked and really rebuked people for being sexually immoral, for being idol worshipers, and a lot of things that he said, these people were basically not going to make it to heaven. Then he said, not only those, but those who take pleasure in those who do those things. That's the culture we live in. You can watch television and take pleasure in things that God hates. I got one amen. Can I get another one? Don't be talking about my TV, preacher. You can allow that stuff to stay stirred up in your mind with all the media opportunities we have in our culture today to keep that stuff stirred up in your mind. That's what he's talking about here. These people here in, in, in the Hall of Fame of Faith, as we call it, in Hebrews chapter 11, he's bragging on them. He said, these all died in faith. They didn't get everything they saw, but they believed it. They were waiting. These people were waiting for the Messiah. So they believed and confessed Him, even though their season was before He was dispatched to the earth. Right? Our season, we weren't here when Jesus was here either. Our season's been after he was dispatched to the earth, right? There was uh, people there for 33 and a half years who actually had an opportunity to physically see and touch the Messiah. But everybody on the other side or this side of that, we either look to the cross. Isaiah said, he said that, right? By his stripes, we are healed. So he was looking toward the cross. And Peter used that same phrase, but he said, by his stripes, we were healed because he was looking back on the cross. There Jesus is in the middle of time, basically, or the middle of our what we would call time, and we are looking either, they were looking forward to Him, believing on Him, and we're doing basically the same thing. We're looking back to Him, believing on Him, though we haven't physically seen Him. 
So that's faith. And these people lived in that kind of faith. Now, a lot of them had come out of Egypt. A lot of them had come out of different situations, just like us, right? People all over this building, people around the world that watch us or people that get our podcast, they, they come out of different situations. I'll give you an example. In Psalm 27, the Bible says, When father and mother forsake you, then the Lord will take you up. Now, I've seen people on both sides of that equation. I've seen people live their whole lives bitter about being forsaken, or I've seen people say, man, Jesus Christ is the best thing that's ever happened to me. He's better than any dad I'd ever had anyway. Amen? Amen. So it's a matter of whether you're going to receive God's truth and whether you're going to call those things to mind. Right? Keep them current in your situation. In fact, if God's moving in your life and He's done wonderful things in your life, it's a slap in His face to go back and keep digging that stuff up. Yeah? Jesus, never, He never did that with anybody. He didn't say, let's go dig up all your past. He said, forget those things, right? Move on, right? That's, that's how Paul and Jesus taught. They were getting people back. Because, and I'm going to show you how the Bible teaches that in just a moment. So they didn't call these things to mind, so they didn't want to go back. If you want to keep yourself stirred up, keep that past in front of you, right? But the Bible teaches us to let those things go. He says they did not call them, so they're in a different situation. The sense when you keep it in front of you in your soulish person, your mind, there's a sense of caring for it. Now some people, some people like drama. Anybody got any limbs in your tree like that? They just love it. And sometimes it's kind of cynical, really. They like the attention it gives them. I want to keep the drama stirred up because I get attention. Whatever the reason is, it's a bad thing to do. All right, now let's go to Philippians chapter 3. How to shut the door on the past. Philippians chapter 3. And this is uh, this one passage in Philippians would be probably standard reading for the beginning of the year, but I want to go through a lot of this chapter and not use just that one verse that everybody's anticipating in chapter 3 here. But in chapter 3, I want to pick up with verse 7. and I want us to get the whole context of what's being said here Does In chapter, seven, or excuse me, chapter 3, verse 7, he says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Have you done that? Have you done that in your life? Have you, maybe you're successful at something, but that's not really the true essence of life. I've told this a lot probably over the years, but I... The, one of the guys that got saved in the mountains who was one of the wealthiest guys around and at the river that day when he was walking to the water he had his wallet in his pocket and his wife who was a believer said hey your wallet's in your pocket and of course there were a lot of people there that day because this guy was very popular in the community and so he turned in front of everybody and said it's going under too in other words my money my wallet's not going to be my God anymore and I always said, you give a country boy $1,000, he thinks he's a millionaire on Wall Street anyhow. Right? He has to get a wallet with a chain on it and all that. Have you seen those? you seen uh, Now, I, I, I would suppose, if I wasn't raised in this culture here in Kentucky and Tennessee and West Virginia, I would suppose a man with a chain on his wallet's got a lot of cash. He's not wanting anybody to get a hold of it, right? And he says, but what things were gained to me, these I've counted lost for Christ, yet indeed... I also count all things lost for the excellence 
of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish. Said that like a good Englishman, right? I count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. In other words, he's saying, I don't want anything from my past, anything. Now, Paul was a pretty high guy in his past, and he was walking away from all of that. He said, I don't want anything into my past to interfere with my newfound relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, that's what we do when we marry people, right? When I marry people, or when I got married myself, we, there's a phrase that's used a lot, forsaking all others, keep thee only unto thyself, right? Because those others would interfere, right, with your wife or your husband, that relationship. So we don't want anything interfering with our relationship with God. Through Jesus Christ, right? So Paul is teaching us that here. He's saying, hey, all that stuff's lost to me. I count it like rubbish, right? And, and, and when you go through situations, God, we don't all get there overnight. You know, what I went through 12 weeks ago, there's a lot of things that were important to me that are not important to me now. I mean, it just kind of helps you reevaluate. Some of you have been through things like that. You've been through situations where maybe... You could have lived or died or whatever, and you just life different when you wake up on the other side of that. It really is different. Things are not as important as they once used to be. And you get more focused, hopefully, on the things that are important. And he says, I, he says, I may gain Christ. He said, I count it as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Now listen to this language of the greatest apostle that ever walked the earth. Second greatest preacher that ever been on the earth behind Jesus. I may, he said, I count all this as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him and not having my own righteousness. Because that's what the Jews fell into, right? They, and he was a Jew. He was a Jew of Jews. And he, fell, he was uh, trying to stay above that, which is from the law. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. We like the first end of that, Right? But then he comes back with his second part. And the fellowship of his sufferings. So a true believer is going to experience the balanced life of following Jesus Christ. You should be experiencing power in your life over the enemy. But you also are going to find yourself doing some suffering. That's part of it. Sometimes the suffering is emotional. Sometimes it's physical. Sometimes it's spiritual battles. But you're going to find yourself in a battle. Now there are... People who, when I was reading some passage yesterday, not everybody, the, the number one characteristic of a true believer is endurance. Notice how many times Jesus tells people to endure over and over. In the gospel he says, he that endureth to the end. Over and over we're told to be overcomers and endure. Being an overcomer, nikeo from the word Nike means to gain the victory. It's we're an overcomer. So not everybody can endure. Right? But that's what we're all called to do. It happens in every walk of life. Right? When the going gets tough, sometimes other people get going the other direction. When Gideon was being called of God, and he gets this vision from God of what he's going to do, then God, Gideon has like 20-some thousand. The other side has like 130,000. So the odds are bad in the natural already. And by the time God gets through with Gideon, he first starts, he says, let everybody who's afraid or a scaredy cat, he said, let them go home. He didn't say scaredy cat after that. 
He said, let them go home. Then he took them down to the stream, and he wound up with 300. And you're talking about bad odds. But God was on his side. That's the majority, right? If God be for us, who can be against us? But not everybody's endures. That's the mark of a true believer, somebody who endures. You're going to have things happen in your life. You're going to have situations. You're going to have things blow up in front of you. And how many knows life's full of curveballs? It keeps throwing them at us. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. His goal and His number one priority was a resurrection to eternal life. Do you have that in front of you? Do you have uh, the resurrection? Is that part of who, what you are? What are you and I looking at? Do we constantly look at our checkbook, our retirement fund, or our stuff? Do we constantly look at the things going on in this world and what's wrong with this and what's wrong with that? It's hard to avoid all that. I understand that. But those things don't need to be what we continually think about. We need to continually think about the things God has in store for those who love Him. His love, His relationship, all the things that He's offered us. Not, He said, that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. That should be your number one priority. And i ask you a tough question. Are you in the will of God? If you look at your life today, are you in the will of God? Are you in the will of God at home? Are you in the will of God on your job or whatever? Are you doing God's will? Personally, are you in the will of God? That's, that should be our number one priority, is whether or not we're in the will of God. And basically, that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying um, I, that I may press on to the prize of the mark of the high calling, right? Not that I've already attained, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has also laid hold of me. You understand there's a lot being said there. Christ chose you. You didn't choose Him. Many are called, but few are chosen because they can't endure. A lot of people can't endure. A lot of people can't. Listen, 60% of the guys behind the pulpit today will be out of it in three years. Staggering statistic, isn't it? Staggering. Now, we know that some of them aren't really called, right? They just wanted to give it a try or mom, their mom told them they were called or whatever, right? But some of them get weary. Some of them get weary. Some of them get loaded down. And they haven't learned to roll their cares or their burdens over to the Lord, and so they try to pack them. Now, that's not just for preachers. That's for all of us. If you've not learned how to row your burdens off on the Lord, you're going to be beat down to the ground. And that's one of the differences between somebody who overcomes and somebody who does not. Some people have learned to give their cares to the Lord, right? For He cares for them. The Bible says in Hebrews, all of us that we can come to our Savior, our high priest, right? Because He is touched by the feelings of our infirmities or our weaknesses because he's been there too I run to Jesus all the time call me weak if you want to say I need a crutch I do I need the crutch of Jesus 
So I used to hear this all the time. You're not going to heaven on somebody else's coattail. Oh, yes, you are. His name's Jesus Christ. That's how you're getting into heaven is on His coattail. I'm, 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 not, I, I'm, I'm trying to get out of this Americanized way, and I know there's a balance to this about being self-made people because when that comes into Christianity, it interferes with our Christianity sometimes because we don't want to trust the Lord. Get out of the way. I've got a roll of duct tape and a screwdriver. I'll fix it. Right? That's the American mentality. Now, I know we've went too far the other way now. We can't even get people out of bed to work now. I understand that. There's got to be a balance somewhere, but you cannot allow... I have to tell people from time to time, God does not fly an American flag over top of His throne. And so everything we do in America is not God's way of doing things. He wants us to humble ourselves. He wants us to trust Him and wait on Him and rely on Him and not be the person that gets ahead of Him, right? And tries to do things in our own strength. That's another valuable lesson that I think God's been working out in my life. And He said, look at the next thing. This is the line that we all uh, probably think about. He says, forgetting those things. He said, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. You, you and I need to do that today. There's no better day for us to do that than today. Today's January the 1st. It's the first day of the new year that God has allotted to us, at least to this point, right? And so today is the day we need to do that. Forget those things that are behind, right? And press on to the prize of the mark of the high calling. And also forget those things which are behind so that we can reach forward to those things that are ahead. you got to do that. Now, there's a lot of things that we all have dealt with. Maybe you've dealt with a severe illness. Maybe you've dealt with the loss of somebody. Maybe you've had a relationship rift, whatever. Uh, Financial struggles, all those things are real. But the Lord, this is a new opportunity for you to put those things behind you and move forward and start reaching for those things in front of you. Now, somebody says, how do I forget? Now, remember, I'm going to teach you something here today that will help you be an overcomer. I read to you out of Hebrews first because I wanted you to see the tense of that verb and what he was saying there. He wasn't saying that all those people forgot the things that happened to them. He wasn't saying that. He wasn't saying that Moses forgot everything that happened in the wilderness. He wasn't saying that. But Moses, the Bible tells us, if we read on in that chapter, was able to endure because he could see that which is invisible. Now that sounds crazy to the natural man, but the natural man does not, Paul said, does not receive the things of God. The spiritual man does. So that's these eternal things I've been stressing to you, that's what you and I are supposed to be looking at. We're not supposed to be looking at all this junk down here. Let I me mean just dung. All this dung down here. We're not supposed to be looking at that. These guys, they didn't necessarily memory-wise forget everything. Moses, I guarantee you, Moses, till the day he died, remembered breaking those Ten Commandments. But he was able to let it go. He didn't keep it. Now listen, he didn't keep it in its present tense. He received God's forgiveness. Woo! Best stuff in the world, right? God's forgiveness. He received it. What about Peter? I think of all the things that were done in the Bible, the worst thing that was ever done in the Scripture is what Peter done. He denied Jesus Christ three times. Denied Him three times. 
and walked with him, saw him raise the dead, watched him walk on the water, everything that he saw, he got money out of the fish's mouth, all that stuff he knew. The fish that he caught the day Jesus told him to launch out made the boat sink. He knew all that and still act like he didn't know it. That's horrible. That's horrendous that you walk and see all that and then say, I don't know it. Not once, not twice, but three times. I think that's worse than anything King David did. And King David did some bad stuff. But when you act like you don't even know the one that's the king of the universe, that's done everything for you, and you act like you don't, that's bad. And you were just hanging out with him the day before. And they knew, they said, your speech betrays you. We know you've been with him. But that's bad. But then just 50 days later, We wouldn't have put him up. We wouldn't have said, hey, Peter's going to be the headliner on the day of Pentecost. He's our man. The world wouldn't have done it. The church wouldn't have done it. The, the, the hierarchy of the leadership in the church wouldn't have done it. But God did it. He said, whatever I've cleansed, call not unclean. He cleaned him up, and 50 days later, amen. So you've got to receive his forgiveness. You can't keep things in the present tense. The only way the devil uses our past against us if we keep it in the present tense. We keep it stirred up, right? So you, you got listen to that clip. Everybody, did everybody get the message? When this clip comes out tomorrow or whenever tomorrow, you listen to it. If you don't listen to it, you have to pay $5 when you come back next service. <laughs> and we're going to ask you, you've got to be honest too. Because <clears throat> if you're not honest, what I'm preaching ain't helping you at all this morning. Now he says, he says, uh, forward to those things that are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of... Now, forgetting, some of you may remember this from the roller rink, when I defined this Greek word, and forgetting. It means, it doesn't mean that you'll never have a memory of something again. But it's, the, the best way for me to illustrate this is like, you've put something in a box, you put it in the attic, and six years later... You get that box down. How many of you have done this? It don't have to be the attic, but that's... We grew up putting everything in the attic, and, you know, they, that commercial, you can't... Uh, we can't change you from being like your parents. <laughs> Are we all laughing about that now? We still keep everything in the attic. But you go back and get that box, and you young people, it's just a curse. That's just the way it is. Uh, you, we go we get that box and you open it up and you say, you've said this before. I guarantee you just about everybody, I forgot I had that. That's what this word's like. It's a beautiful word. It didn't mean that you could never have a memory of something again, but it's been tucked away, duct taped and stuck in the attic and you forgot you had it. How many times have you done that with some of you? Run, I've, that's what this word means. <clears throat> we, <clears throat> we are creatures with good memories, right? And your, your brain, well, most people's brain, not everybody, is better than any computer they've ever made up. It can send signals without being prompted. How many know what I'm talking about? Right? And that's why that record was grooved. That's what happens. We get grooved out. Now, you can get, your, get grooved out in the right thing, or you can get grooved out in the wrong thing. Remember that? You just need to get the right groove on. Once you get your groove on, right? 
I said that like a guy grew up in the 70s, didn't I? I just don't have any bell bottoms on this morning. And you, you, you groove it out with God's Word, with His promises, with His love, with His mercy. Not all the past, right? So you got to regroove that record. you got to get a new groove, right? So that's what happens. You don't necessarily... You may, not go, you may go your whole life and, and remember things occasionally, but you're not keeping them in the present tense. Now, let me give you an example. A Jew, one of the Jewish uh, counselors I knew said this. He said, um, you know you've forgiven somebody when the memory comes back, but the feelings don't. And I found that to be true. I had somebody in my family that toward them years ago, I had, I had the spirit of slap. Do you know what I'm saying? Just, just a bad feeling, you know. And... Uh, I'm trying to be transparent here. <laughs> they had done me wrong, and I was frustrated over it. And, and when, sometimes when I would think about it, during the, the season of all that, I'd be driving down the road, and I'd want to pull that steering wheel out of the <laughs> column. You know what I'm saying? Remember that Barney, when Barney bought that car, and the steering wheel come out of the car? <laughs> Told my age again, didn't I? <laughs> but when I could drive down the road and not pull the, try to pull the steering wheel out of the column, then I realized I'd forgive them. I had to forgive them. See, forgiveness is not an option in the body of Christ. Doesn't matter what's happened. Doesn't matter if they've done it 490 times in one day. And nobody's ever going to get that, I'd say, except God. He gets it every day. How we offend and disobey Him if you add everybody's stuff up. But we have to forgive. The Bible says if we don't forgive, we don't get forgiven. That'll keep you current with all the bad stuff if you don't forgive. It keeps all the bad stuff current. So, you know, when you read the Bible and it says forget those things that are behind and it says if these people would have thought about it, they might could have went back. That's, I want you to understand what's being said there. Your mind's a powerful tool. It's a wonderful tool. So you, you may get down the road... And I, I, I tell you how far I've come with my situation. I pray for them. I've been to all, their, all the funerals around them. I try to love them. Everything. It's just, it's, you know, I pray for them every time I think of them. With no animosity. That's what forgiveness will do. But, God, when you read the Bible, understand He's not saying you'll never think of it again. He's saying you can put this stuff in a box here, store it in the attic. And you don't keep everything current, right? You don't keep everything. <clears throat> One of my closest friends who's gone on to be with the Lord was an alcoholic when he got saved. He got delivered. He was one of those guys that got delivered instantly. He loved it. He, he'd tell you he loved it. <clears throat> but he, he lived his whole life surrounded around alcohol but when he got saved he realized he could not subject his mind to that temptation he knew that this guy never even finished school but he knew that we all know that don't we we don't like to admit it but we all know it He's, he was an old coal miner friend of mine and he, when he got saved 
He, he stopped going to stores that sold alcohol. He changed the stores he went to. Are you hearing me? He loved car racing. Watched it all the time. But when a beer commercial would come on, he would change the channel. He disciplined himself to do that. Because he didn't want that stuff feeding his mind. He didn't want to keep any of that stuff current. Now, I'm just using that, him and that as an example. It could be a lot of things, right? You know, but when the memory comes back and the feelings don't, you could apply that in a lot of situations, right? Because you've tucked that stuff away in the attic in a box. Now, here's what's going to be good for us today. Today's January the 1st. You've got a wonderful opportunity to start fresh. I challenge you to do that. I challenge you to make that impossible list, things that only God can do and you can't do. And let me finish here. I'm almost done. He says, <clears throat> then he says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. Do you know God has apprehended every single one of us for a specific reason? He's designed each one of us for that. And you don't have to be in the limelight. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, and I, I'm telling you, there's some of these grandmothers... And people like Mother Teresa that are going to be way more decorated than preachers and stuff when we get to heaven. Because they got in their closet every day and they prayed and interceded on our behalf, everybody's behalf. It says, uh, he says, uh, Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, do you count yourself as mature? Have this mind. What mind? What he just said. Putting things behind us, forgetting those things. Not counting myself to be fully there on my way, pressing on. Have this mind, if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that you have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. So here's what I said just a couple of weeks ago. You and I are responsible to walk in all the light we've been given. We're not in competition with each other. Some people have been given more light than others. They've been serving the Lord longer or whatever, maybe had more opportunity. My grandfather, sixth grade as far as he went. He didn't get a job because he called the resume a resume. And they laughed at him and he didn't get the job. Looks like resume to me, but... My grandfather didn't have the opportunities I've had. He was an old coal miner, the kind that laid on their back with a pick and a shovel for a lot of years. He didn't have the chance to learn Greek and Hebrew like I have. But at least he turned the ship around. Our family, listen, our family was not very good people in our genealogy. My grandpa got saved. His father... We're hoping he got saved at the end, but he wasn't a very good guy. But he, the ship was sailing the wrong direction for the whole family. My grandfather got it turned around for the rest of us to start sailing the right way. Now, he didn't have the opportunities I have. He didn't have the same opportunities, but he walked in all the light he was given. So we're all at different stages of that, but that's what Paul's saying. Whatever you've attained to, live it out. 
Walk it out. And he says, let me finish this chapter because it's all pertinent to what we're saying. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you and often and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly. And whose glory is their shame. Now listen to what he says. These kind of people, what they do. Who set their mind on earthly things. Are you more concerned about where your child's going to go to college than they are their salvation? How dare you? Are we more concerned about what we're going to leave our children in the natural than their salvation? How dare us be that way? This world's going to burn up everything in it. There's going to be nothing left. We better make sure we focus on the right things. He says, Who set their mind on earthly things, for our citizenship is in heaven. Now, remember what we just read in Hebrews? He said these people had a mind because they saw themselves as pilgrims and strangers just passing through. That mentality's got to come into the the, the remnant of the church which we also eagerly wait for the Savior the, eagerly wait for Jesus is that the demonstrate or describe you and I that we're, we just every day we think about Jesus coming back we eagerly wait for Him it's been a while since I told this but I, there was a, we were at a conference one time and this people who ran a children's home for handicapped children they were trying to, you know, ask them what their problems were, what kind of needs they had, and they said the biggest problem they have is keeping the windows clean. And they said, well, why? one of the guys in the circle said, well, why is that? And they said, uh, because we tell these children that Jesus is coming back for them. And when He comes back, they're not going to be handicapped anymore. And He said... These children get up every day and run to that window and put their faces and hands on it wanting to know if today's the day. They have hope, right? That's the same hope we have, but we can get caught up in this life and it can become way too important to us. He says, they, they uh, set their mind on earthly things. He says, our citizenship's in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to His glorious body. Woo! And everybody over 50 said, Hallelujah. <laughs> According to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things to Himself. Get your eyes off this place. You know, you didn't, what Paul said in another place, you didn't bring nothing in, you're not taking nothing out when you leave. Amen. Came in naked, we're leaving naked. You can come to the instruments. Let's stand to our feet. I hope you get some uh, really good input in, from the Holy Spirit to make your impossible list. And I hope you'll take today, maybe even with your family or your spouse, and really sit down and say, here's a couple of things I want you to think about. What are you going to improve on this year? What are you going to improve on with the Lord? Have you identified some areas in your own life where you're not like Jesus. Jesus was a selfless king. 
He laid his life down. He's willing to talk to anybody. He made himself available. Do you think he went to the well that day for a drink? He went to the well that day to meet that woman. We got to be that way. You cannot, we cannot just hold up. We got to make ourselves available. Relationships are the most important thing. I don't have a ministry without relationships. I don't get to just do my thing. And so here we are. We're blessed. We've been blessed in so many ways. We get pruned after you grow. You get pruned. That's part of the process. But let me say a couple of things to you. We, the, we cannot get complacent. I want me, I want this preacher to go to the next level. I want our praise and worship to go to the next level. I want this body to go to the next level. God's providing the resources and the opportunity for us to do that. He's blessed us. And, and many of you have been faithful. But we don't want to get complacent. We want to take everything. And that starts personally too. You need to go to the next level. He's called us to be seated with Him in heavenly places. So this year, we need to make a commitment to be, put Jesus first in everything in our lives. I'm challenging you with that this morning. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for this day we have to kind of have a reset, to be revived, for us to be honest with ourselves as we look in the mirror and say, that's a shortcoming I have. And you don't deserve that shortcoming, Lord. I need to step out of that. I need to move forward in that. And we need to shut out all the things around us, this world, and set our affection on things that are above, like Paul teaches us. Or we got people on these impossibility lists and other things on this impossibility list that only you can do. We know you're able to do far above what we can think or ask. Many of the things on here are salvations. And we know that we're running out of time. The time is near. We want to be like those children in that home. We want to be so anticipating your return that we need to run to the window every day. We need to look up every day. We need to think about that we're just pilgrims and strangers here. We're just passing through. We don't need to be hoarders. We need to be givers. We don't want to stop the dam. We don't want to build a dam. We want to let things flow to us and through us. Lord, if there's anybody on the sound of my voice that's watching or in this building that don't know you, we pray that they'll start this new year off right. They'll surrender their life to you. They'll ask you to forgive them of their sins. and They'll start a new life today. Maybe there are people in this building that have not put some stuff in the box and taped it off and stuck it in the attic. Today's their day to be an overcomer. To get those things away from being current and present tense. As we open this altar, Lord, may your Holy Spirit move among us and do the work you need to do inside of us. In Jesus' name. This altar is open as we worship you.